Hello, and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by Hybrid Links. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Translation Company Talk podcast. Today we are going to be spending some time with one of our veterans in the interpreting field. My guest is Louis Echeverry from Continental Interpreting based in California. I will let him provide some background information and share with you how he has started in the industry. He has an interesting story. Louis continues to lead on so many fronts. As an active member in the Association of Language Companies, he consistently works with other leaders to improve conditions for companies and freelancers alike, both in California, across the US, and globally. I wanted to recognize him for laying out some of the groundwork for professional interpreting today and being an active mentor to so many of us. Welcome to the Translation Company Talk uh, podcast, Lewis. How are you today? I'm doing well, Salton. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and thank you for having me on. I'm so happy that you made it. Finally, we we made this happen. I start every interview by asking you to tell me about yourself and and what you do. Just a little bit of background, please. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, born in Colombia, South America. I came to this country back in uh, 1969. Uh, My parents brought us all here, five of us kids, um, and grew up in Southern California. And actually, we all still live in Southern California. Um, I've been married now for almost 40 years. Next year, in February, I've celebrate 40 years uh, anniversary with my wife. Well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, we still live in Southern California, my siblings and myself, my parents have passed. Wow. So do uh, you have some history in California? Yes. Yeah, we've been, we've seen a lot of changes over the years. Louis, how did you start your life in the language world? Was it by design or by accident? And I feel it was actually by accident. Um, after graduating from high school, I went into the Navy. I served four years in the U.S. Navy. And after that, I became a technician, uh, mechanical uh, technician uh, for Anheuser-Busch, making aluminum cans. At that time, I worked with an individual by the name of Alex Quintana, who left a job as a mechanic to become a, a court interpreter. I ran into Alex about two years after he left uh, our plant, and he was doing interpretation at a courthouse. I was there to help my brother with his, uh, uh, who was also a startup business at the time, uh, an attorney service business, uh, serving documents and filing documents in that in court. So I ran into Alex, and there he was dressed in a very nice suit. Clean hands. Uh, and he said to me, Louis, uh, interpreting is a great profession. You should be, you should uh, take it on. You should do it. This is good for you. You can do this. At that time, I thought it would be impossible for me to be an interpreter. My Spanish is uh, very, very not up to par to be a language interpreter. He encouraged me and he lent me all those preparation materials. And it took me about a year to prepare and pass a state exam. Uh, to become a certified interpreter here in California. I did that, uh, and I uh, left a job as a mechanic and 
went to work uh, uh, freelancing as an interpreter. I did that for about one year. And after one year of freelancing, my wife and I decided that we could do this on our own. We took out a second loan on our home. And that's when Continental Interpreting was born back in 1992. My first employee at the time there was Kevin McGuire. I hired Kevin right out of high school. In fact, when I hired Kevin, I was still running the business out of my house. This was just before moving out to our first actual office. And uh, Kevin was a great guy. He was with me for eight years, helped me grow the business. And together we did uh, some wonderful things. Uh, Kevin left uh, California and moved to Chicago to open up Atlas Language Services. After Kevin came Veronica, uh, Veronica Amador. She's been with me now for 20 years. And Veronica has been a great uh, office administrator. And she has helped us through a lot of cycles, a lot of ups and downs. Now Veronica has uh, decided that she wants to pursue her dream of being a nurse. And she's going to be leaving us at the end of the year. So um, now my daughter, uh, who has been with me for about 10 years, is our vice president. And she has been helping the business all along, especially during this very challenging times and helping taking the business to the next level. And that's where we're at now. Very exciting. Wow. Well, quite a journey for you. And I know Kevin is very busy with Atlas. He built an empire there. Yes, he has. Uh, he's a good guy and I wish him all the success that he deserves. He is not just a good guy, he's a leader in our industry and very active in ALC. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Kevin. Yes, I'm glad that uh, I'm the one that got him started in the language service. <laughs> Kudos to you as well. Wow. So, uh, Louis, the world has changed a lot. I mean, since you started, uh, everything has changed. Uh, and it's changing at a very rapid pace. What changes have you witnessed uh, along your journey in the language industry to where you are now? What were some of the memorable things that you that you always talk about, think about? Yeah, I think the biggest change for us has been the Internet. Um, back when I started my business, there was no such thing as the Internet. I remember hooking up uh, with some clients early on using a modem to transfer files to be translated in that. That it was way back in the day that when you had the very the slow. Yeah, there you go, the dial-up modems. Um, <laughs> Then the internet came along, and the internet really changed the way we do business. But I, while it made things easier in many ways, it also made it so that clients expected a lot more out of us. So that that the communication, um, because of the internet, emails and that, just changed everything. So from what I'm hearing, it was technology which was a game changer in terms of communication. But did you notice anything after that? For example, um, you know, everyone's talking about how automation became a challenge and, and we are still dealing with that. How do these things affect you? Well, uh, it, uh, I was fortunate that I w at that time, uh, my uncle was a programmer and he helped us out doing a lot of programming for our program that would help us manage processes. But it was uh, nonetheless very challenging trying to keep up with some very new technology at the time and try to make it all fit into the business the way we did business. Okay, well, uh, interesting. 
Now, today we are going to be talking about the challenges of interpreting in the legal system, in particular, the uh, under the circumstances we had to go through in the past year or so. Uh, please give us an overview of what the legal industry is experiencing today in terms of interpreting. Well, th there was a big disruption early in 2020, and uh, that's when right here in California we had a lockdown, and pretty much everything came to a halt. Uh, all our jobs were canceled. Um, and then they started the comebacks very slowly, mostly remote. Um, that went on for quite some time until about some were sometime late in the second quarter of 2020, a lot of the states started allowing for remote depositions to be accepted. When that happened, um, there was a big surge uh, in business demand and things really we couldn't it was hard keeping up with the demand things have stabilized now and we're back to pre-pandemic times well this last year as you alluded to it was uh, particularly challenging and tough for the interpreting sector uh, how did the pandemic affect the legal interpreting front uh, now you mentioned that things have stabilized what was the net impact of the pandemic uh, what type of changes did we uh, observe happening that might stay for the long term? Yeah, the biggest change, of course, was that do, going remote, not only for our employees. At one time, we had to send everybody home here from our office and everybody working remotely, something that we were not used to doing before. And uh, that in itself was very challenging, the, especially the communication part, trying to communicate the um, one employee with another as to what was going on with the particular process. Also, the interpreters, uh, trying to get interpreters that not only were certified, um, but also familiar with doing remote uh, depositions. Um, we had to coach a lot of them into the process of logging on and using the, the right equipment to be able to communicate well in that. So. Yeah, that part was very challenging. Do you think that there will be long-term implications from uh, what we went through? Uh, has it become, for example, more acceptable to to use remote and uh, virtual type of solutions compared to having everybody in person uh, in the past? How would that affect our industry as a whole in the long term? Yeah, I think there will be a lot of long-term implications. Um, mainly the remote interpreting is going to be widely accepted uh, um, more and more. In the past, if we had a job that required a certain interpreter, a certain language or a certain region where there's a dearth of certified interpreters, we'd have to tell a client that nobody was available for that job. And we ask him if we could do it remotely. And 99% of the time, the client would say no. I think these days, that will change. If there's a deposition that's taking place in a remote area or very difficult language, clients will most likely accept a remote interpreter to uh, sort of like a hybrid deposition uh, to take place. One thing I want to know is that uh, with on-site to online transition, it has not been very smooth for some, and in some cases not even possible. How do you find that transition uh, to, to move things in terms of interpreting from, from on-site or offline to online to a virtual type of environment? Yeah, the transition, um, while it was challenging, I was very fortunate that I have Veronica Amador, who's my office administrator. She was the one that pretty much implemented this whole thing here in my office. Um, 
Unfortunately, uh, early 2020, I sustained a very serious accident while vacationing in Colombia. And for the, yeah, and for the first part of the year, I was not even around here in my office at all. That's when we were dealing with a pandemic. Fortunately, Veronica took the reins on this and put in place some practices that we were able to use to be successful at remote interpreting. And do you think that you can implement those practices and those processes in the long term to be sustainable? Oh, absolutely. And I think that more and more interpreters, the, uh, as they become familiar, not only with remote interpreting, but with simultaneous remote interpreting um, applications, it would make it, it's going to make it more feasible and I think more attractive for clients to in the future do more remote interpreting than they do on-site interpreting. So, Louis, uh, I'm assuming in-person legal interpreting is still needed. It has to be needed under certain scenarios and situations. Please tell me about how you manage that. How do you handle um, on-site scheduling and, and deploying people? Yeah, the on-site scheduling it didn't change much for us. Um, uh, we have a custom program that we use for that. And the hardest thing was accessing that program remotely for when interpreters were sent home. My daughter, Stephanie, was the one that was sort of running the show as far as managing how people were going to work communicate with one another and with together with our IT company uh, we were able to make everybody work together and be with uh, be able to do that with, with very little disruption and, and do you still handle on-site interpreting the same way for example clients call you in and and you schedule someone to go but or are there challenges for example to make sure that everyone has a covid uh, vaccine done? What are some of the changes that have happened with the on-site on interpreting? Yeah, that, that, that's a good question, uh, Sultan. Yeah, with on-site interpreting, um, when they begin opening California up again and we were able to send interpreters to do face-to-face -face interpretation, <clears throat> we, of course, had to give them certain guidelines now they're all independent contractors, and that what's that is what makes it most difficult. That you can't control them. You can't tell them you have to be vaccinated, or you have to do this and that. But we can certainly, in this case, be able to tell them you have to follow CDC guidelines, and those are there for everybody to follow. And we haven't had any issues uh, that I know of with any interpreters. Uh, there's only been very few interpreters that have turn down assignments because they're not comfortable going into a setting, whether it's uh, on-site or they're going to be at close, close proximity with other uh, individuals. But uh, those are very few. Louis, let's shift gears and talk about the client experience. What are they going through? How have these changes impacted their work? Yeah, the client experience uh, has changed quite a bit. Uh, in the past, we had a representative that would go out to visit clients, read them, sometimes bring them treats, promotional items, and make sure that everything was running smoothly with our services. Um, with the pandemic, obviously, all these offices closed down, and or even if they were open, they wouldn't accept any outsiders. So most of that was done by phone or by email. So we lost a lot of the personal touch that we used to have with our clients. 
nonetheless, we still had to stay on top of it, communicate with our clients well, um, so that we could iron out any issues that were coming along as services were provided. So do you find the clients accepting that change, that reality, or are they going back to pre-pandemic type of um, lifestyle that they had in terms of work? Uh, what do you find? Yeah, a lot of our clients are have employees that are now working permanently from home. So we used to go into an office where there may be 20, 30 people. Now you go in there and there's only five, six, seven, eight people, uh, much uh, less than 50% of the staff that we used to see before. Um, so that has changed a lot. Most of the communication now is by email, which in a way, it, I like it because it, it leaves a record of what is being requested and what is being said. It, on the same note, did these changes impact the client spend at all? Um, some people assume, whether correctly or not, that Remote interpreting is cheaper. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that you you're writing out a lot of different expectations there. What because it's remote because an interpreter is not leaving their house. Um, maybe we will not have to pay as much for that service. But right. the reality is that interpreters still have to reserve that same amount of time. Yet they're not leaving their home to drive out to do an assignment, but they have to prepare for it. Um, they have to get their equipment prepared and they have to prepare the work zone. So uh, that hasn't changed. And actually what's happened is depositions have actually taken longer than they used to. In the past, uh, on-site depositions typically took a couple hours. Uh, Remote depositions are taking much longer than two hours these days. And we are running into an issue now where we have to rebook afternoon assignments often because interpreters doing a morning deposition are in a deposition that's taking too long and they can't do an afternoon assignment. This podcast is made possible with sponsorship from Hybrid Links, a human-in-the-loop provider of translation and data collection services for healthcare, education, legal, and government sectors. Visit hybridlinks.com to learn more. And uh, do you find that clients accept that reality? They understand that? Or, or do you have to um, develop new policies and tools to make sure that they understand and, and set expectations accordingly? A little bit of both. Um, some clients do understand and they are fine with it. Others can get frustrated for this uh, and they don't accept it as well. Uh, but as time goes on and they do more and more of these depositions, they begin to realize that by nature, they're going to take a lot longer than an on-site deposition. Understood. Now, um, Louis, while COVID placed a lot of sectors on pause, the legal industry had to keep going. I mean, there were nothing could wait. How did your organization adapt to the changing needs of this specific industry? Again, I was out of the office for the first part of the year, 2020, when all these changes were taking place. Veronica was the one that was uh handling all these different challenges, making sure that uh, the interpreters were well trained to do remote interpreting and making sure that our clients also understood. I think one of our biggest challenges for depositions was the non-English speaking person. This person sometimes is not well versed in computer technology to right. be able to log on to a meeting, to face the camera when they're talking, 
to use a microphone properly, and that part has always been a challenge for us. Okay, and um, so is that challenge becoming easier to to deal with now, given the fact that that non-English speaker uh, probably they also had to adapt to some of the realities of COVID, and and I can only imagine what type of difficulties they're going through. But what is our industry doing as a whole to address? Uh, things for them. Yeah, um, because we work during doing this deposition, we work closely with core reporters. They right. are facing the same issues as we are. And they are the ones that set up the meetings. They, they were the ones that distribute the codes and they're the ones that are more uh, um, in charge of the meeting as far as uh, all the different parameters, all the different individuals uh, that are taking place in the meeting. And they can control that more. and. Nowadays, that has gotten a lot better. They have gotten a better grip on how they manage these uh, remote depositions. We talked about this uh, a little bit earlier. I, I would like you to expand, if you will, since it has been a year um, since the pandemic officially started, uh, or actually it's, uh, it will be soon two years. Have things become more normal and accepted with regards to VRI and SRI, or do you still see that it's it's kind of a taboo and there's a bit of a stigma for doing things online? It, no, yeah, they have. It has become a lot more accepted uh, over the month or two years by now. In the past, it was very challenging to find certified interpreters that were actually well familiarized with remote platforms. It's right. very, it's a lot simpler now. And we don't have to do as much coaching anymore. And uh, while we are at it, do you think that we, there was some sort of an evolution or development in terms of the, the online platforms that accommodated online interpreting? Have they improved compared to what we had before because uh, there was demand for it? Uh, what have you noticed on the technology front? Yeah, um, a lot of these uh, remote platforms have changed in that they are now allowing for interpretation. It used to not be that way before. Zoom, Zoom for instance, has a channel where you can have remote interpretation done simultaneously. There are other platforms out there like Kudo, Interprefy, and others that have even better tools for remote simultaneous interpretation. And as we continue using this platform more and more, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more improvements. And do you think that, uh, that those changes or the demand for those changes, they emanate from our industry or it's from the outside, the demand uh, that's uh, socioeconomic or environmental for that matter, because now uh, people have to stay in their homes. Do you think that's forcing technology providers to change and adapt and, and provide these new medium for communication? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's not just for our industry, but uh, or our profession. A lot of uh, different uh, professions will require better communication tools, and interpreting is a big part. In uh, especially that the world is getting smaller, and we need better communication. And using these platforms with interpreters is going to continue to improve over the years. So let's talk about interpreters. You just talked about them, and and they have obviously started adapting as well. How did this shift affect them to do their work? What have your observations been? What are some of the challenges and some of the opportunities that have been presented to them? Yeah, I think uh, it's been very difficult on interpreters. Remote interpretation is not easy to do. Yeah, as I mentioned before, sometimes the deponent uh, or the person that's speaking doesn't always face a camera, doesn't use a microphone properly. And unless the interpreter is able to hear that person clearly, understand that person clearly, it makes it very challenging. And, and 
I guess it makes it so that it becomes more of a fatigue factor kicking in, trying to concentrate so much on what a person is saying. And uh, it's very been very difficult for interpreters. It, these tools, these technology tools that allow remote interpreting to happen, they also have additional medium or assistive medium of communication, such as text chats and, and other aspects. How did these new aid uh, tools that came to to these uh, you know online platforms how did they change the way we do interpreting have they made things easier do you find or do you think that they've complicated things and, and people are scared of using technology that you know that all depends on interpreters some interpreters can work well with uh, splitting the mind if you will while they're interpreting be able to read text on the side and reply to that text while others need to concentrate only on the interpreting and so it doesn't work well for everybody. It, it all depends on the individual. So some people find it as distraction while others actually put it to use. Exactly. Okay. Do you think there has been a change in their income level? How did going online affect people's incomes? The, the income level? Yes, yes. yes. Their potential to earn. Yes. Yeah. I think that the income level has um, was affected, especially during the first quarter, first and second quarter of 2020. Fortunately, we had a lot of the uh, small business loans and many interpreters were able to take advantage of those small business loans to keep them afloat. I think by now things are pretty much stabilized and interpreters are back to earning pre-pandemic wages. So with that, what type of new business opportunity do you see for translation or interpreting companies as well as interpreters themselves? How did the new dynamic, the way technology has evolved, uh, manifested itself as an opportunity for people beyond what we're doing? today? Uh, yeah, I think this creates a huge opportunity, especially for interpreters that don't like driving to certain areas. Now they know they can work from home. In fact, they can even move out and live uh, in places that are very pleasant to live where you may not find a lot of activity going on for interpreting. Um, so it changes everything as far as the, the interpreters and they don't have to be located in a certain area to stay busy. They can be pretty much anywhere in world. Do you think that uh, the online uh, connectivity that's become available, uh, are they posing any competition from outside the state or outside the country that might uh, negatively affect the way interpreters actually get work done and or the amount of work that they're getting done? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, when you start opening the doors for a lot of outside competition, especially competition from other countries, uh, it makes it so that we tend to think that a lot of our work is going to go away and is going to be done by people that can do it for uh, a lot less. Fortunately, in, in the legal industry, we need interpreters that are certified, usually right. court certified. And when you get certified, you get certified with, uh, for a particular state for the most part, or, or unless you're certified uh, as a federal interpreter. And a lot of interpreters that are working abroad don't have that certification and therefore can't do that kind of job. Understood. And what would you advise, Lewis, those interpreters uh, in terms of adapting to the new reality? As a legal interpreter, what does it mean to perform your work today and how you should adjust? Well, you have to be open to 
change. Uh, you have to realize that not it, it's not the way it used to be where you can drive downtown, do a couple of depositions, and be back home by 5 o'clock. Right. You might have to stay at home, do a deposition in the morning, and maybe drive out to do another deposition in the afternoon or vice versa. And for those of us that are not very familiar with legal interpreting business, what will be the challenges going forward, in your opinion? Well, if you're not familiar with the legal, uh, the way legal interpreting works, as far as uh, challenges going forward, just uh, keeping up with the different platforms that are out there, the different technology. AI, for example, is uh, changing a lot, and it's going to get to a point where we are going to have a lot more influx on AI when it comes to interpreting, and we have to be ready for that. So that's an interesting point you brought up, Lewis. Where does AI stand today with regards to interpretation? Well, it, it has come a long ways, but it still has a long ways to go. I don't think that is anywhere near to be accepted for medical interpreting or for legal interpreting. But there are other fields that where AI might be acceptable, and humans will be replaced by those machines doing the uh, mechanical interpretation. I, I think one of the challenges is that today uh, speech has to go into text and that needs to be translated with machine translation and then uh, synthesized back into speech. So if if that problem can be overcome from uh, basically using speech to speech uh, translation or voice to voice translation, which will yield interpreting, do you think that will change the landscape? It May for certain fields, I still for legal and medical, I don't think that's going to change uh, yet until the, uh, the technology gets it for us pretty much, uh, maybe it'll never be perfect, but close to being perfect. It has to be more accurate than human interpretation in order for it to work. So let's take that question, uh, let's take a step back and, and take that question with a general view. Do you think technology will be playing an important role in how interpreting will be delivered in the future? I, I think so. Eventually it will be. Techno that, that technology is changing so many aspects of our lives. Uh, you know, you have robots now that are putting cars together and even doing surgeries. So right. I, I think taking it one step further where a robot can actually talk, if you will, or a machine can talk uh, and be able to interpret uh, accurately. I think that's that's to be expected. One thing we hear these days uh, in our industry, even outside, is that um, data breaches are pretty common. Um, you know, uh, customer data gets uh, breached every day, basically. There's some news that so-and-so company got hacked. How does this affect online interpreting, given the fact that now that we've or, uh, opened up uh, virtual interpreting to people from outside our borders. When uh, client-specific legal information is discussed, what, in your opinion, what are the implications of or getting people from outside the state, people who are not certified, to to, to do this type of work? Well, I uh, until we have uh, until our legislation changes and accepts uh, interpretation that is done outside of our states, that's not going to happen. If you're doing a deposition, say in Texas, you need an interpreter that is certified for Texas. You right. can't have a California certified interpreter doing a deposition in Texas. Understood. So with that, you don't see any any major challenges to uh, user data or confidentiality uh, breaches um, that, that the online and the platforms pose because some people are very concerned about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, uh, again, it all has to do with legislation. Once it is legal to um, share that kind of data, then 
things will change and you'll see a lot more um, interaction. Let's let's talk about uh, your crystal ball. How do you foresee the future of this industry moving forward? Do you think the demand for interpreting will grow? I think that the demand of interpreting will continue to grow. It's been growing and it will continue to grow. When it will stop growing, it's, it's hard to tell. But at least for the next few years, I see that it will continue to grow. It, it, so in your thought, what's the, the driving factors for the growth of interpreting? Well, um, at least right here in the U- our, our clients are U.S. based, and right. as long as you have immigration, there always be will be a need for uh, language interpretation. Okay. What are your projections for for um, 2022 in terms of how the economy, politics, and other factors affect your revenue streams? Yeah, I think the economy. Um, as long as the, we continue to have a strong economy like we have now, uh, things will. Uh, continue to improve. On the political part, uh, if we have laws that are passed that can impact us, like the CARE Act, for example. The CARE Act uh, could be something similar to what AB5 was in California, where it will make it harder to have independent contractors. It will force many to classify those independent contractors as employees. That's going to be very challenging for us. So we were talking about AB5 um, in a couple other episodes as well. How did that affect our industry in, in California? How has things changed since since that uh, the discussion was happening? Well, AB5 was a disruption because it forced many to rethink and how they were, we were doing business. Fortunately, uh, Coptic came along and uh, that was fueled by Lorena Schwartz. And she was able to have an ex- uh, carve out an exemption, if you will, for interpreters and translators here in California. So that took a lot of the pressure off of us. But up, in, up until that time when we were carved out for, for interpreters and translators, we had to redo all our independent contractor agreements and treat our interpreters and translators more like vendors to avoid that relationship uh, that uh, we may have as an uh, employer-employee. Uh, I want to give a shout out here to ALC, the Association of Language Companies. They have been very active on the advocacy side. Do you think that, uh, you mentioned Lorena earlier, but do you think that their efforts also made a difference here? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think uh, they have a very, very strong program for advocacy that is going to help us uh, steer the legislation in the right direction to benefit us all. Oh, absolutely. So since most of the people listening to this podcast are executives in the language industry, what is your uh, advice for them? Um, Well, as far as an employer that take care of your employees, we need to take care of uh, our employees because they are the ones that are talking to our clients and dealing with our vendors every day. Take good care of them and uh, training and hiring and training new employees is is very, very disruptive. Um, The other thing is join an association that supports our language services. One of them uh, that comes to mind is ALC, Association of Language Companies. Uh, I think they're instrumental in, like you mentioned before, advocacy, but also a lot of people in the ALC, a lot of members willing to help us succeed in business. Understood. Louis, as we reach towards the end of this interview, I can't believe time flies. It's been almost an hour. Uh, I want to know if someone needs to get in touch with you regarding your services or anything we discussed today. What is the best way for them to reach out to you? Best way to reach me is by email. Um, my email is Luis, L-U-I-S, at C-I-S hyphen 
inc.com. All right, perfect. Luis, I it was an incredible pleasure that we finally got to do this interview. I know we've been planning to do this uh, for a while. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you and learning from you. I'm sure our listeners also found at least one action item or takeaway that they could take and apply to their business and improve things for themselves. With that, I want to keep the door open for uh, covering more areas in future episodes, and I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, thank you, Sultan. It's been a pleasure uh, talking with you, and I look forward to meeting you in person one day. Likewise. Looking forward to it. Okay, thank you. Interpreting is undergoing an evolution, both with technology and the restrictions that the world saw with COVID. Unlike translation, interpreting has not yet been disrupted as much with automation, and it is still some ways away from creeping into medical and legal spaces. I believe that the use and acceptance of virtual interpreting through phone, video, or applications will proliferate and become more common. There lays massive opportunities in the spoken word interpretation in the form of on-demand services that we may not have yet envisioned. I think Lewis and other leaders in our industry have the experience and know-how to guide the next pivot in change with interpreting. There you have it. My interview with Luis Ishaviri was an interesting inside look into where legal interpreting is headed. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Luis and I look forward to speaking to you again on our future episodes. Please subscribe to the Translation Company Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your platform of choice. Don't forget to give this episode a 5-star rating or thumbs up. It means a lot for us. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.